Well, hello, First Baptist Church of Upper Marlboro. Thank you for taking the time out today to join our latest devotional series on the wisdom of God as seen in the books of Proverbs and Psalms. This is Pastor Tyrone, and today is December 16th, 2020. And we'll be looking at the wisdom of God revealed through godly friendships today. And so I want to start us off with a prayer. Gracious Lord, as we come before you, we pray now that, Father, you would open up your scriptures to our hearts and reveal your truths, that, Lord, we may be transformed into the image of Christ. We thank you and we love you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So many of us may be familiar with the song Amazing Grace, written by John Newton. And some have seen the 2006 film also called Amazing Grace, and it's telling of the friendship between John Newton and William Wilberforce and their quest to abolish the slave trade in England. But John Newton wasn't Wilberforce's only source of spiritual comfort. He had a group of people around him um, who were encouragers, most notably John Wesley. The name sounds familiar. John Wesley is the founder of Methodism and considered the greatest preacher of his day. The Wesley brothers, they deeply influenced Wilberforce's political activities as well as his spiritual development. In 1791, Wilberforce received a letter from Wesley, in fact, the very last letter from John Wesley, which included this exhortation, go on in the power of his might till even American slavery shall vanish away before it. Though Wesley died four days after writing this letter, it remained an inspiration to Wilberforce through years of disappointment after disappointment. That finally, after 20 years, he was able to get a bill passed which abolished the slave trade. Shortly after, slavery was completely outlawed throughout the British Empire. Think about it. Wilberforce might not have prevailed if it had not been for the encouragement of his friend, who strengthened him in the Lord. Well, friends, today our passage comes from the 27th chapter of Proverbs. And it's one of my favorites. And so it reads at the 17th verse, As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. In your Bibles, in the ESV, it will say, Iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. And we can think of this whole chapter as the writer, uh, as we believe to be Solomon, uh, writing these Proverbs to his son is, is emphasizing primarily in this chapter of scattered uh, Proverbs um, that the theme is of friendship. And so we're going to glean a few things off of today's passage and we're going to point to some other scriptures to help reinforce that. But we can look at today's passage as saying, let iron sharpen iron, so let a person sharpen his friend. You see, John Wesley was such a friend to William Wilberforce, who tried again and again, as I said, for 20 years to abolish slavery in Britain or the slave trade in Britain, before finally getting a, pill, a bill passed which abolished the slave trade. And we all want friends like this. But before you pray, Lord, give me a friend like that. 
our hearts should probably try praying, Lord, make me a friend like that. There is a saying, the best vitamin for developing friends is B1. Get it? B1. Anyway. Bottom line, you need good friends. <laughs> you need to be a good friend. You need to be one. Uh, iron can arpen, iron can ar <laughs> iron can sharpen iron, and a good friend can sharpen a friend. The iron of a file can make a blade sharper, and a good friend can make his friends better. Are you a good friend? Do you have good friends? Well, a knife is not sharpened by wood, plastic, silver, or even gold. Sharpening a knife requires iron or a substance at least as hard as that knife and harder than that knife. <laughs> In Ecclesiastes 10, we are told if the iron or axe is blunt and one does not sharpen the edge, he must use more strength, but wisdom helps one to succeed. Once sharpened, a knife is much more productive with less effort. And friends, today, that's what Skillful living is about. That's what we want to learn. Living life wisely. I tell my boys all the time, whenever the opportunity presents itself, we want to work smarter, not harder. This proverb is about good friends that will make you better and you them. Proverbs 27.9 says, A good friend's earnest counsel brightens you up and helps make you sharper and more useful, in my paraphrase. But not any friend will do. Only wise friends make you wiser, while foolish friends will dull and corrupt your life. Proverbs 13 and 1 Corinthians 15 are well-known passages. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer. How many times have we heard our parents say 1 Corinthians 15.33? Do not be deceived. Bad company ruins, corrupts good morals. Even the preacher in Ecclesiastes gives us this memorable passage in, in chapter 4. He says, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow but woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. And out of Ecclesiastes 4 verses 9 through 12, we see that Friends sharpen and improve each other because they share success of laboring together. They help each other when they fall. They combine their abilities to get greater outcomes and then they defend against mutual enemies. A good friend is a great blessing. The solitary life is foolish and it sacrifices these great advantages. Church, this passage is a great encouragement to fight against the pull to the trappings of a loner lifestyle. We're encouraged to spend more time with good people and be sharpened into useful people 
realizing that lazy habits of self-indulgence are hard to break. Selfishness, laziness, and pride keep a man from seeking friends. He's happy rusting away by himself. Foolishness, ignorance, and bad habits, they hinder a man from keeping friends, for he drives them away. Proverbs 18.24 You see, loneliness is a particular problem of our modern age. One U.S. study found that between 1985 and 2004, the portion of people reporting having um, no one to confide in almost tripled. According to a poll carried out in 2017 in the uh, United Kingdom and Great Britain on loneliness, three quarters of older people in the UK are lonely. Shockingly, two-fifths of respondents agreed with the statement, Sometimes an entire day goes by and I haven't spoken to anyone. The article further in, in, in Psychology Today says that some of the factors behind these stark statistics include smaller household uh, sizes, greater migration, the rising self-employment, um, higher media consumption. And a large uh, conglomeration is built on productivity and consumption. And I love what it says in that it makes the point at the expense of connection and contemplation. It can feel profoundly alienating. And here's the catch-all. The internet has become the great comforter and seems to offer it all. News, knowledge, music, entertainment, shopping, relationships, even sex. But over time, it foments envy and division. It confuses our needs and priorities, desensitizes us to violence and suffering, and by creating a false sense of connectedness, entrenches superficial relationships at the cost of living ones. Friends, when we look and say that a person sharpens another person, the Bible speaks of that in terms of the King James Version. We get the sense of a countenance. It says literally from the King James that as iron sharpens iron, so one man's countenance sharpens his friends. And what that countenance means is that it's the spirit, demeanor, behavior, or conduct of a man. And what is that? Well, that's a man's character. The proverb deals with the character of a man. A very precious thing. Character is by far the most important measure of a man or woman. A file does not merely need to make a knife look better. I'm talking about an iron file. It makes the knife better. It's more useful. If we learned anything from this pandemic, it should be that God made us to be interactive, social. It's not good that man should be alone. Um, and God says he'll make a helper for him in Genesis 2. You see, a wife and children uh, provide valuable support and care and love. But surprisingly, they're not enough. God has allowed friends to come into our lives 
to sharpen us here. Men to men, women to women. One of the great examples in scriptures that we have of this is David and Jonathan. David describes the love of Jonathan as exceeding that of a woman. Although he was married to three wives at the time, and one of them, very wise and beautiful, Abigail of Carmel, we read of the passage that Jonathan sharpened David by, it says in Samuel, in 1 Samuel uh, 23, that Jonathan rose and went to David at Horish and strengthened his hand in God. It was through a spiritual prompting and covenant promise of loyalty that these two great friends together, sharpening each other, formed one powerful team for God's glory. And not just them, we read of Ruth and Naomi. See, friendships can be forged between different ages and from anywhere. And in this case, Ruth became friends with her mother-in-law and they became a family, looking out for one another throughout their lives. It was great sacrifice for Ruth to do so, but that's what friends do. We read of Paul with his many friends, Priscilla and Aquila, Luke, Silas and Barnabas, Timothy, Epaphroditus, Titus. And if you get to Romans 16, you'll see all the friends. Paul had many friends that had shared relationship with him. And of course, our Lord Jesus with the apostles and others, even sending the disciples, not out alone, but two by two. For this reason, Jesus sets apart the church of saints, where we help, support, we exhort, we warn, we rebuke each other for our mutual profit and for God's glory. You see, as church members, we are to bear with one another's burdens and lovingly try to keep one another from errors. It's the sharpening purpose of the church. It's for this reason that Paul's warned about forsaking the assembling of the saints in Hebrews 10, 23 uh, through 25. We're familiar with that 24 through 25 passage where we're not to forsake the assembling of the saints, but we're to gather together. And so as an assembly of saints, we're an assembly of friends. Proverbs helps us understand what the nature of that friendship looks like. In Proverbs 17, 17, it says, A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. In 18, 24, it says, A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. In, verse, in chapter 27, 6, Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. There are two direct important lessons, church, I want to emphasize. We need noble and godly friends to maximize our growth. That's one. And the second, we need to be such a friend to others to maximize theirs. Rather than worry why others don't do more for you or why they do what they do toward you, we should choose instead to be sharpening influence in the lives of others. 
and to humbly and lovingly look for the best intentions and the desired effect of what they do to you. And as a brief aside, I spoke I spoke earlier of the value of our spouse. Well, one of the implied lessons we shouldn't overlook in this proverb is that if good friends improves a person's character, then a wise husband will help his wife have time with good friends to be a better wife. This is nourishing his wife. And a wife, a wise wife, will do the same knowing her husband will be better <clears throat> for being with good men. Parents will be proactive to promote friendships for their children and with other wise children. You see, when we sharpen a knife, we're shaving off little pieces of the blade to make it better. So true friends will sometimes correct, instruct, rebuke, or warn you. The question is, are you willing to take their criticism to be better? Solomon declared in Proverbs 27, The wounds of a friend are better than the kisses of an enemy, as I read earlier. It reminds me of a time in my own life when I had to be sat down and church I was at a very low point in my life. My wife will let you, will go on, and one day I'll share more about it. But it was a very low time in my life. And I was met by and confronted by men in my life that challenged me to stop pitying myself and licking my wounds on this setback. And essentially, get back to the work at hand. They were stern, they were loving, but they would not back down. Uh, it was sobering, it was loving, it was pride-killing, and it was painful. A uh, stern truth they gave me that I needed to hear. And they knew that I would defend myself, and I would moan, and I would groan, but they would not let me rest in that. They literally walked with me through one of the darkest times I had experienced. And I hated it at the time. But I knew I could trust them because they were my friends. And they walked with me through it. Church, we have so many in our church that are friends like this. From our elders to our leaders to ones you know right now. And so I think of the uh, image of successful athletic training. It requires competition or at least training with those better than you. Otherwise, your skills are never tested. You never learn the best techniques. Your maximum effort isn't called into action and you deceive yourself regarding your ability. We get stronger as we Strive with those strong and stronger than us. Church, are we diligently fulfilling our role to improve others' lives? As you hear this devotion, are you sharpening influence? Are you a sharpening influence 
to make your friends or those you're making a friend to be more useful and productive? Are you the iron that sharpens iron? Do you value and promote relationships with other good men and women for your own perfection? Even if their corrections and exhortations at times might hurt or sting. Proverbs 27 says, again, perfume and incense bring joy to the heart and the pleasantness of one's friend springs from his earnest counsel. That's comforting words because a friend will tell you the truth even when it hurts. Of course, the perfect model we have is Christ Jesus, our Lord. In John 15, Jesus says in verse 12, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. How great is the love that Christ had for his friends? He says in verse 13, greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. Verse 14, you are my friends if you do what I command you. What a blessing to know that our Savior considered us friends. Friends to the degree that he would lay down his life for us in our condition. Church, I pray if you do not know and if you are listening to this and you do not know Christ, for those who may be hearing, open up to allow the God who demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He is the greatest friend and the model we will ever have. And he has given us the commandment to follow after him in this. So I pray that we find encouragement to be a friend to those. Look for friends in the church. Find whom we can be together with so that together we provide the unity and the glory that is in Christ Jesus for the glory of our God and our Father. Church, would you pray with me? Gracious Lord, we thank you for your word today, and we pray your blessings on it. May it fall uh, on our hearts with a a refreshing grace. And Lord, may we look for those in the body whom we can serve. Jesus gave us a great, great passage when he identified that he did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. I pray, Lord, that that is our heart today, that we hear your words, and our great desire is to serve as a friend through all things. We thank you and we love you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.